Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here with Joe Kerr, and we have been enjoying the Hope For Our Times conference here in Southern California. Some of the best prophecy leaders across the United States sharing on different aspects of the coming of Jesus Christ, and we're excited today to be with you with one of those. Today we have Billy Crone. He's pastor-teacher of Get A Life Ministries, author of several books, including the Final Countdown series, and today we are joining him to talk about Volume 1 in the Final Countdown series, Tribulation Rising, the Jewish people in the Antichrist. Billy, welcome to A View from the Wall. Thank you for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be on. Yes, well, we are honored to have you with us. And this fascination of the Jewish people and the Antichrist is one that has been enduring for generations. But in our time, it's taken a new significance as Israel is back in the land, as people speculate about the timing of the Antichrist, who he is. Tell us a little bit about the background of this book and the significance of it for those who are listening today. Well, in a synopsis, uh, one of the signs that God gives us, he doesn't tell us the exact day nor the hour, certainly of the rapture, uh, but he gives us indicators that it's getting close. Uh, of course, I hold to the position that the rapture happens prior to the seven-year tribulation, hence the pre-trib position pre prior to the seven-year tribulation. Right. And God doesn't give us the day nor the hour, but he gives us signs it's getting close. And one of the big signs, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, that you're in that final season, the last days, if you will, is dealing with the Jewish people. God is not done with the Jewish people. Uh, and that's uh, an unfortunate mistake that a lot of people make, even in the church today. And they want to say that God's done with them. And they look at the one covenant, the Mosaic covenant, which was a conditional covenant, but they forget the other eternal covenants that were made with Abraham, the patriarchs, and even King David. Uh, that God is not done with them. Uh, that one from the lineage of David, i.e. Jesus, is literally one day going to rule and reign in Jerusalem over the whole planet. And of course, with the millennial kingdom, the prophets deal with that extensively. But, uh, and obviously that hasn't happened yet. So this is a future event, i.e. God's not done with them. And that's just a quick synopsis. In the book there that you got, uh, we go in massive great detail demonstrating biblically that God is not done with the Jewish people. Those who say that the, the God's done with the Jewish people is the phraseology that's used called replacement theology. Yes. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not only unbiblical, but it actually gives rise to anti-Semitism. Well, if God's done with the Jewish people, then who cares about them? And, and that's unfortunate. Uh, I'll even add this element too. A form of replacement theology uh, in principle is also, in my opinion, being taught falsely by those who say that the church is in the seven-year tribulation. The church has nothing to do with the seven-year tribulation and uh, because uh, the church, when Daniel writes about that final week of the 70th week prophecy in the book of Daniel, which is where we get a seven-year tribulation. Why is it a seven-year, not a two-year, not a five-year, 192-year? It's seven years because it's the final week, the final seven. When he's writing that uh, in the uh, time there in Daniel, the church was, no long, was not even in existence the, the, dealing with when with that prophecy was made. Uh, the church wasn't in existence until like 500 years later. Plus, it says there it's a time of Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble, not Paul or Peter's demise or, you know, doom. And it, it, it's dealing with the Jewish people. And, and so the church is nowhere in existence. Plus, 
the church is promised in Romans chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 Thessalonians 5, that we are rescued from, we are saved from, we're not appointed unto God's wrath. The seven-year tribulation, this final week of Daniel's seventh-week prophecy, is an all-out onslaught of God's wrath from the moment it begins, Daniel 9, 27, when the Antichrist makes a covenant with the Jewish people. That's the event that starts the clock. For the next seven years, it's full of God's wrath, so therefore the church cannot be there. Now, though I said all that, believe it or not, to get to this, a form of replacement theology is, in my opinion, those who put the church in the seven-year tribulation. The Bible tells us the purpose of the seven-year tribulation. It's not only God pouring out his wrath on the Gentile nations who rebelled against him. He's going to have the last word on evil and suffering. This is not going to continue on forever. That's true. Right? And that should be good news. But And number two, he's not done with the Jewish people. When the church disappears at the rapture and the seven-year tribulation, God's eyesight, if you will, his focus goes back on the Jewish people to redeem a remnant one-third of the Jewish people, Revelation talks about, that will be a part of the millennial kingdom as he fulfills those eternal covenants that are still yet future. But people who say that the church is in that time frame, they put all the focus of the seven-year tribulation on the church, right? In essence, you're saying the purpose of the seven-year tribulation, the focus should be on the church, which it's not. It's about the Jewish people and the Gentiles. So how is that not, if you will, a backhanded way of replacement theology as well? That's very good observation. One question that we had, and you address it in the book, but I've heard you address it on other programs. The Messiah came for the Jews. They missed him the first time. Mm-hmm. They'll miss him again. You talk about it in the book, the Jewish Messiah, tribulation, antichrist. How did they miss him that clearly the first time, and how will they miss him again? Well, uh, in the Gospels, clearly seeing Jesus talks about this, how and was prophesied by the Old Testament prophets that they got eyes, you know, but they don't see. They got ears, but they're not hearing. They're, and, and they reject him. And, you know, some of the reasons we see also there is they were more interested in having freedom from the Roman ruler to be saved politically, have a political savior, than the actual spiritual savior who was right before them. And some of them didn't want to give up their positions of power and authority. So they, they flat out rejected him. And Paul says ever since then, right, in the New Testament, Romans chapter 11, that they're under a, and here's a key word, temporary, not permanent, temporary blindness or hardness that they can't see. And it doesn't mean that a Jew can't get saved, but they're usually typically have, a, a, if you will, a veil that they just can't see. Well, that veil, that temporary hardness is going to continue, okay, even to the point where they're actually going to make a deal with the actual Antichrist, the opposer of Christ, in place of Christ, Right? And that's what starts the seven-year tribulation. The good news, bad news is, halfway into the seven-year tribulation, when the Antichrist commits the abomination of desolation, he goes up into the rebuilt Jewish temple, declared himself to be God. At that point, the scriptures say that their eyes will be open. They'll like, oh, no, man, we did we make a mistake. They'll call upon the Lord finally. That's the good news. They'll get it. Man, we missed it. Messiah had already come, but it comes at a price. The Bible says, Zechariah says, that two-thirds of the people are going to be hunted down by the Antichrist and slaughtered. But, again, God's not done with the Jewish people. One-third of them are sovereignly protected by the archangel Michael, Revelation chapter 12, and they will be the ones making it into the millennial kingdom at the back end, at the end of the seven-year tribulation, when Jesus and us, the church, who've been in heaven the whole time, come back with him, Revelation 19, to begin and usher in the millennial kingdom. Well, that's powerful teaching, and we're talking with Billy Crone, who is pastor and author of The Final Countdown, Tribulation Rising, Volume 1. We'll be right back with more on A View from the Wall. Stick with us.
From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. Friends in Christ, let me share a Bible verse that can change your life. It's James 4.2, You have not, for you ask not. Many tend to think that because God knows all things, there's not a need to voice our prayers. That's just not true. The biblical mandate is clear. We are to ask and seek and knock and pray and not give up. In the next verse, James 4.3, we are instructed to pray with the right heart and motive and for the right things. So verses 2 and 3 present the key to a powerful prayer life. We are to ask and pray with precision and passion and with the right heart and motive. Yes, there is power in prayer. Be quick to voice your praises and prayers to the Lord. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. I am a watchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We're here with Billy Crone. We're talking about his new book, The Final Countdown, Tribulation Rising, Volume 1, The Jewish People and the Antichrist. And I want to start this segment off with something that's a little controversial in our world today. I want to take us back to Genesis 12, where the Lord spoke to Abraham. He gave him this promise. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, I personally don't see an expiration date on this passage, so I see the application of that still continuing through our current time, but many people see this as something that's outdated in the past. As you look at scripture, Billy, tell us a little bit about the significance of this passage for our time today. Well, that's part of one of the many texts dealing with the eternal covenants with the Jewish people, that, of course, being the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, And the Abrahamic covenant, if you take a look at it, uh, it was not dependent upon Abraham's behavior. Uh, Paul also reiterated that it's an issue of faith in the New Testament, that Abraham believed God and he was justified by by faith. It was not a works issue. And it's an eternal covenant where God says that this is going to be your land, your people, and I'm going to be a blessing to all nations. And uh, uh, this is a, it, it, a very important issue, even in current politics, what's going on in the Middle East. And there's a battle over the Jewish people and the so-called, and I'll use that word, so-called Palestinians. Uh, the Palestinians uh, have, are never a people. They're refugees who were created on purpose by the Muslim nations around the area after the wars that were created there. Uh, but they have never been... They may be in the land, but they have never been rightful owners of the land. And any, including the one that's on the table right now, with uh, it's called the Trump peace plan, but it's really the right. Jared Kushner peace plan. And uh, Greenblatt was another one writing with him. But any plan that divides the land of the Jewish people is doomed to fail. And because God also gives a warning, don't you dare divide the land. Right? And Joel, I believe he talks right. about that. And uh, because it belongs to the Jewish people. But we go into this book in great detail about the history of Palestine and how it was never, and still to this day, is never a country. It's never been a country. Uh, The word Palestine actually came as a derogatory term left over from the Romans, who deliberately changed Judea, that area, which Judea, the Jewish people, that was their land, and has always been their land, biblically. Uh, but they did it uh, and call them Palestine. That's where they got it. But it was just a name change. It, it didn't change the ownership, right? And and the people that are there today, it's kind of sad because the people, the quote, Palestinian refugees, 
they are purposely being kept as refugees on purpose to draw emotional support of people around the world saying that they have a right to the land and you need to have a, quote, two-state solution. Number one, the lie with that is that the Muslim nations, right, have plenty enough land to support these people. In fact, when you look at the land that they have in comparison to Israel, it's ridiculous. They act like Israel's hogging all the land. Are you kidding me? Israel, the whole nation is so tiny that you can fit 17 and a half of them in the one state of California. It's just a tiny piece of real estate, right? Now, the Muslim, you add up the square footage of their square miles of, of, that they have uh, in their countries combined, it's like 487% more. It's, it's ridiculous. They've got so much land, it's not even funny. So the issue isn't that Israel's hogging the land. That's a lie, number one. Number two, that Israel doesn't want to help them. That's not true. Uh, Israel even has part of them into their government and to, to be and, and to take care of them. It's all a lie uh, to drum up not just a, quote, two-state solution. You look at the news broadcast, and we delineate this, uh, the news broadcast over there by the Palestinians and the Muslim, uh, the PLO and Abbas and the other ones, they make no bones about it. Now, they won't share it here in the U.S., because they're lying to us, our own media, but they say that they've never been interested in a two-state solution. They are not interested in an assimilation. They're interested in an annihilation. They want to get all the land, right? But it's never going to work uh, because God has promised way back then, at the very beginning with the eternal covenant with Abraham, it belongs to the Jewish people. Now, ultimately, where this conflict, which is a Bible prophecy-related issue, that Israel will be a cup of trembling in the last days, Zechariah, where it's ultimately going to lend up is another prophecy called the Gog and Magog War, Ezekiel 38 and 39, where the Muslim nations are going to work with Gog and Magog of the north, which most believe is Russia, who, by the way, right now is working with these Muslim nations and arming them to the teeth. Uh, but they're going to try to come in and take over. And again, don't mess with God and don't mess with God's people. You read through 39, Ezekiel, after that attempt is made, uh, they are going to be annihilated. Uh, I mean annihilated. So those who want Israel's annihilation, ultimately God says, oh yeah, I'm going to annihilate you. It, again, why is all that important? Why is it happening now? Because again, the Bible says that God is not done with the Jewish people. This is their land. This is a bunch of baloney. It's lies. And, if, and, and again, unfortunately, people are going to put it to the test. And God even tells you what's going to happen. You're going to pay a price for it. When we come back, we want to talk more specifically about the Antichrist. At a conference like this, you know there are going to be a couple of questions that come yeah. up every time. When is the rapture and who's the Antichrist? Right. And we're not going to name either one of them, but when we come back, let's talk a little bit specifically about the Antichrist. Sure. Yeah, and in the minute we have left before we go to break, I do want to bring up this other topic that we want to get into in our next segment about the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. It's interesting. You spend a lot of time on this in your book. And just the moment we have before we go to break, talk about the significance of that and some of the preparations taking place today. Well, basically in a nutshell, and I just got done teaching on this, but in the book we have five chapters or five hours on the video DVD set dealing with all the evidence that the Jewish people are ready to build this temple now, not five years from now, not even two years from now. They're ready now to build this temple. All they basically need is permission uh, to pull it off. And, uh, but what temple is it? The scripture very is clearly the third temple is going to be the actual temple that the actual Antichrist goes up into to commit the abomination of desolation halfway into the seven-year tribulation. The point for you and I as a Christian, we're not in the seven-year tribulation, but man, if that's what takes place in it, and we go before it, whew, we are getting close. Time is running out. 
Right. And as you say, if that three and a half period is all that it takes to go from starting construction to building it, to completing it, to it being desecrated by the Antichrist, then we are very close and Jesus could come back at any moment. So when we come back, we'll talk more about this issue of the Antichrist, the rebuilt temple and the final countdown. Stick with us here at A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall comes from I Am a Watchman Ministries, established to help individuals know the love of Jesus, enter into a relationship with Jesus, live for Jesus, tell others about Jesus, and prepare for the imminent return of Jesus. We want to inspire the body to live a life of meaning and purpose. And at the coming judgment, hear the Lord say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. The wise will strive to live well so that they can finish well. The prudent will work to be aware of what God has done and what prophecy notes he will do in the days to come. In support of these goals, the I Am a Watchman ministry is happy to make available at no cost a wealth of discipleship, prophecy, and spiritual growth resources for those who desire to learn and those who are called to lead. Find out more by visiting our website, IamAWatchman.com. That's IamAWatchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan Burroughs along with Joe Kerr. We've been talking to pastor and author Billy Crone about his book, The Final Countdown, Tribulation Rising, The Jewish People and the Antichrist. And in this final segment, we want to get more into this topic of the Antichrist. You see it in films. You see it in the news. Who will the Antichrist be? You see views of it being a Jewish person, a Gentile person, a Muslim person in some books. What does the Bible really tell us about the identity of the Antichrist and some of the attributes about him? Well, you know, when you take a look at the study, uh, when the scripture does talk about the Antichrist, there's actually a lot of information, uh, certainly in the book of Daniel, but in the New Testament as well, and other books. And uh, there's about 40 different characteristics that are mentioned about the Antichrist. So number one, if somebody is going to be the actual Antichrist, they have to be 40 out of 40. And this is unfortunately uh, the games that people are playing, even in our times. You know, they say, well, it sort of could be this guy. And you're like, well, okay, well, maybe that, that, that. But what about these other eight things that don't even line up? Well, it's, it's pretty close. No, it's not pretty close. It has to be 100% match. And, and to give it, you know, tongue-in-cheek, I remember back in Bible college days um, that people would say that, did you realize that Reagan is Antichrist? And, and you know why? <laughs> Let me give you the supposed proof. Because his name is Ronald Wilson Reagan. Ronald has six letters. Wilson has six letters. <gasps> Reagan has six letters. Six, six, six. Oh He's got to be the Antichrist. I am not joking. People were serious about that. It's oh, like, I what are you? That. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And that's an easy, unfortunate example to give, but people still do the same thing. When Obama was in office, people were with the Antichrist, and, you know, again, okay, but he's got to fit this parameter. Well, most of them. Anyway, the point for us is you could, if the person is going to be the Antichrist, he's got to fit, you know, all 40. Uh, I'm not saying this guy is, but another hot topic right now going on with. Could he be the Antichrist? Uh, is Emmanuel Macron, uh, the Prime Minister from France, and he do, he has made some pretty wild statements. If you look at the media, uh, number one, his name is Emmanuel. What's that mean? Uh, God, God with God us, with yeah. us, God with us yep. right? And uh, of course, that's the abomination of desolation event that he, the Antichrist, we know is going to declare himself to be what God. So that's kind of weird. Uh, number two, he also says he wants to uh, rule like the Roman god Jupiter. 
It's in print. Yeah. Whoa, what's that? Well, we know the Antichrist comes out of a revived Roman Empire, and again, he wants to be like a godlike figure and demands it at some point. So that's kind of weird. Also, I remember reading an article from uh, European Financial Times, and this is their words, not mine. It talked about his character, and they said in print that his character was, first he deceives, then he kills. And then you, you take a look at the actual Antichrist, Daniel 9.27, the event that starts the seven-year tribulation, what's the Antichrist do? He makes this covenant, he seduces, if you will, the Jewish people, and they think this guy is going to be their savior, right? And he does what nobody else can do and has been able to pull off, pulls off a treaty in the, the Middle East with Israel. And then, of course, what happens at the halfway point? He kills. He goes after him. Two-thirds will be annihilated by the Antichrist after the abomination and desolation. So, so he's the Antichrist. Listen, I'm not here to say that. I'm just bringing up that's the latest, hottest topic. The Christian, though, when we come to the, the Antichrist, again, biblically, if it's going to be the candidate, it has to be 40 for 40. But as a Christian, our focus is not on the identity of the Antichrist because I don't believe we're going to see him because we leave prior. The Scripture says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that... Um, the uh, day of the Lord, which begins at the seven-year tribulation, so in essence, the seven-year tribulation will not uh, occur until the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, reveals himself. So when is he revealed? When, do peop- when should people know, okay, beyond a shadow of a doubt, okay, I guess it wasn't Reagan or Obama, and it's, it's this guy. Well, it's when he makes Daniel 9.27 the covenant. Well, we leave prior. That's what starts the seven-year tribulation, so we leave prior. So in essence, as Christians, it's an interesting talk for conjecture. Yes. But really, our focus needs to be not on who is the Antichrist and what's this crazy next theory out there. We don't look for the Antichrist. We look for Jesus Christ. And since we know we leave prior to the seven-year tribulation— at the rapture, which is an imminent event. There's not one piece of prophecy that has to happen for the rapture. It can happen at any moment. That just simply means we need to finish here strong, sharing the gospel, the task at hand that has given to us by Jesus. The Great Commission is called the Great Commission. It's not the Grand Suggestion, right? And if we know the events of the seven-year tribulation and the good news we can be, and we are as Christians, rescued from that horrible time frame, which Jesus said, Matthew 24, is the worst time in the history of mankind, okay? then it is our privileged duty to share the gospel with as many as we can. That should be our focus. Doesn't mean we can't discuss these other issues, the identity of the Antichrist, whatever, but really, in essence, our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist, and leading as many people to Christ while there's still time. That's the message that people get tangled up in. Yeah. Because that's the fantastical part. And let's face it, people love the bad news. You can watch any news station and see that. So it's easy to get tangled up in that. But when you do, you miss exactly what you talked about. You miss something else that's far more important. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but that is so good. So many people get tangled up in all of the theories and the mysticism that they miss the most important message. And the message is Jesus is coming. Well, are, you, are you ready? Yeah. And let me, let me add to that. Cause this is a pet peeve of mine. Uh, and I, I say it oftentimes at the conferences, pretty much every message, but it's like, you know, and I, I do, I do tongue in cheek after I show, you know, get done at the end. And so now it's time to freak out and run to the hills. <laughs> No, right? But you see a lot of the church community doing just that. 
they look at these events dealing with Bible prophecy and they freak out and run to the hills and they think that, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend all my time, talents, treasures, and all my resources, and I'm going to buy a piece of property out in the middle of nowhere, and then I'm going to have my escape plan with my bug-out shelter. I'm going to buy 9,000 pounds of dried flour uh, with uh, dehydrated <laughs> cheese, and, and, and what's, what's their goal? Their goal is, I'm going to become the ultimate survivor. It's like, are you kidding me? First of all, thank you very much. You just made it that much harder for the rest of us on the front line sharing the gospel. As a soldier of Jesus Christ, you're not supposed to go AWOL. You're going AWOL Amen. when we need you the most. Would you get back up here, stop goofing off, and get on the front lines at the mission at hand? It's not a time to be fearful. Now, I will say this. There are people who promote that fear. It's a lying fear that you better get a bug out shelter. You better buy uh, oodles and tons and invest all your times in, in, in ammo and, and, and survival gear. And, and if you want to store that up for, you know, emergencies, uh, I'm not against that, but these guys are saying, no, you need to do it. You know why? Because they say the church is going to be in the seven year tribulation. And because they're in the seven year tribulation, you're going to have to switch gears. It's not about sharing the gospel. Who cares? You just got to somehow survive and hang on until the rapture happens. Their faulty position at the midway point, three quarters, all the way to the end. That's post-trib. It's, it's really, first of all, the rapture is called the blessed hope. That doesn't bless me. That don't inspire me with hope if I'm going to be in the worst time in the history of mankind. Number one, Paul says not once but twice, encourage or comfort one of those with these words. That, that don't bring me comfort. The church is not in the seven-year tribulation. Now, here's what I think is unfortunate. And, I, and I'll say this. A lot of the ministries that I've noticed that promote the church being in the seven-year tribulation, you know what they also just happen to provide for their listeners, viewers, their audience? You're going to be in the seven-year tribulation. Oh, you better, you better survive. You better, you better get. Oh, and if you go to our website right now, we have a special deal going on. You could buy normally 18 years worth exactly. of this stuff for 1750, uh, but you can get it now for 999. That's right, 999. Just as we put in the special Antichrist, you're doomed. You know, dot com. And you know, it's, are you serious? And these, I kid you not. Listen to this. I just found this out a couple of weeks ago. I was. It was told to me that this one particular ministry that promotes the church being in the seven-year tribulation, and they have the they have the antidote you know, all the survival gear, just in selling survival gear stuff, in one year they made $85 million. There's big bucks in making the church afraid when this is not a time to be fearful, it's a time to be faithful. It is not about storing up survival gear, it's about sharing the gospel, get back on the front line, stop goofing off. It ain't about self-preservation, it's about sharing the gospel, leading as many to Jesus Christ. And we look for, again, not the Antichrist, we're not in the seven-year tribulation, we're looking for Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but guess what? When the rapture happens, he's going to find us doing something. I mean, let that sink in for a second. He's going to find you doing something. What's it going to be? Wasting all your time on survival gear and food when you could have been sharing the gospel? Or just flat out, you're not even doing that. You're just disinterested. You're goofing off. You're worldly or sinning. What are you? He's going to find you doing something. And if you respond appropriately to Bible prophecy signs, then to me, I want to be found like the Apostle Paul says, you know what? I fought the good fight. I ran the race. I kept the faith. And yep. well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah. Well, we hope you've enjoyed these encouraging words from pastor and author Billy Crone. And we want to encourage you right now to take a moment to go to his website and get your own copy of the final Countdown Tribulation Rising Volume 1. And you can get that today by going to his website, getalifemedia.com. That's getalifemedia.com. Well, we thank you for being with us again, and we look forward to joining you again next time here on A View from the Wall. 
A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.